wants to teach you what he wants to teach you while you're either single or married. And what happens oftentimes is we think, man, I'm really going to be happy if I'm on the other side of that. So some people who are single like, I'm going to be happy when God sends me that godly person. It's going to be wonderful. And that can be interesting. Also the godly people who are like, they got married and like, man, I wish I didn't do that. Because what happens is, is we always want what we don't have as opposed to saying, God, what are you doing in my life right now? The grass is always greener, right? Pastor Daniel will be talking today about wanting something you don't have and how that can impact your willingness to step into God's plan for your life. Instead of dwelling on the things or even the people missing from your world, look at what you do have. You have Jesus, and Jesus is enough. He gives you purpose and hope. So don't wait to get what you think you want. Take what Jesus has for you now. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Revelation, chapter 14, as he continues his message called The Harvest. There's no such thing as like a, I'm kind of a Christian. There's no such thing as like, well, yeah, you know, like, you know, it's all good. Listen, it's all what it is. But you have either aligned yourself with the person of Jesus and his finished work on the cross, or you have rejected that. And the key is to be honest about where you are with that. Because there is nothing more honest than when on that day, Jesus is going to say, I know you. And he's going to say, I never knew you. It's cover to cover in our Bibles. And I remember, I didn't grow up in the church, so I remember when I would hear this kind of stuff, I'm like, man, that's just so lame. I mean, why does it have to be like that? But I'm here to tell you, right now, you're either in church or you're not. Like, when you go to a restaurant, you're either sitting in, you're either sitting in, insert your favorite barbecue place, because that sounds really yummy on a rainy day, unless you're a vegetarian and we love you. You can have some greens, I'll have the barbecue. And then, you know, and then like, or you're not. Like, it's like, these things are very clear. And it's very important that we come to terms with that. And if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, then that should be as conspicuous as a forehead tattoo. And I'm here to tell you, if you're not a Christian today, then you need to be a Christian. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus. I'm going to talk to you about why in a little bit. We're going to see more about how this works. But what's beautiful is, is God has sealed his 144,000. And then it says in verse 2, I heard this voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters and the voice of loud thunder. And I hear this sound of harpists playing their hearts. And it says, and they sang a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except for the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. Now, I love this, because if you remember in Revelation chapters 4 and 5, we saw this heavenly scene. There's the four living creatures there. There's the, the elders who were there. And really what you have now is they... John hears the sound. There's water and there's thunder. He hears stringed instruments. And then he hears this new song. It's the new song of these 144,000. Now, I realize that for some of us, like... You always don't like the new song. 
right? Like there's just some of us, we just love classic rock, right? Like we just love Sweet Home Alabama. And listen, if you like classic rock, that's a great thing. Because I like classic rock too, don't get me wrong. But some of us just don't like new things, right? We don't like change. Like I remember it used to be when I first got to Crossroads, man, we would like paint something, people get all mad. As like, like, like as if the color on the wall. I had some people be like, man, this is ungodly. It's like, it's just paint. The thing's old, like, you know? But some of us are like, we're those change resistors. Now, if that's you, listen, you're allowed to have your preferences, but sometimes a new song is necessary. But here's the question for you, because I want to apply it. And God really kind of blew my mind with this, actually. I think there's a number of you right now you're busy singing the song of the last season and God has a new song for you. But are you willing to let him write the new song? So like for some of us right now, we're still so jacked up from the pandemic. You know, everything, you know, I was just talking to someone. They were so like, oh, and they took away all of our rights. I'm like, well, they actually just gave them all back. Like, like you know, and people, and so I'm going to get an email about that. Sorry, it just came out. But like, like some people are so amped up. Like, everything's amped up. And it's like, listen, what we went through, that was hard. But that was last season. It's like, for some of us, listen, many of us know we get stuck at the song. We get stuck at the song where we really got hurt, where the pain was, the trauma was, where the thing got broken. And I'm here to tell you, that's very real. But one of the things I know about Jesus is he doesn't want us to keep singing that song forever because he wants to teach us and grow us. He doesn't want to pretend that it wasn't painful. But for many of us, what we do is we're so used to singing the old song that we're not willing to step into the new song that God has for us. And I believe that for a number of, listen, know what I've learned in my life? I've learned that song is the story that you tell about your life. It's a story that's the testimony of your life. Know what I've learned? Oftentimes we have stories that we tell, but the problem is that they're broken stories. They're not redemptive stories. They're not Jesus-centered stories. They're just the stories that along the way, maybe we got it from our parents. Maybe we got it from our culture. Maybe we got it from a lousy ex-husband or ex-wife or a lousy friend. But what happens is, is that song gets repeated over and over again, and there's no room for the new song. I want to encourage you to pray about that. Because I think there's some of you, I had a bunch of people after first service, like, uh, that whole new song thing, that's totally for me right now. What if God wants to, you to sing a new song with your life? What if God does not want you to sing the song of past brokenness anymore, but he wants you to sing the song of present healing? What if Jesus does not want you to sing the song anymore of God isn't for me And he wants you to sing the song that God's plans for me are better than I could have imagined. Maybe the song that God wants you to sing about your marriage is not, I'm stuck with that guy. But it's, I get to hang and grow with that guy. But if you're so busy singing the old, like if you're just rocking the classic rock station of your song forever, the retro song, you got to make space for the new music. And, and listen, you like that song. And when it comes on, like, I did that jam. That's my jam. You know, and that's all fine. But there's got to be other songs that you add in there. And I believe that God, I love this idea of like, they sang a new song. It was only for them. It was their new song. And I, and I felt the Lord was like, Daniel, I want to give my kids some new songs. So you guys open for hitting random on the, on the shuffle on your phone? Are you, are you open to like, hey, we're going to kick to a new station right now? Maybe you've been in like the melancholy alt-rock goth music forever. It's hard, it's hard. 
church. And maybe God wants to move you to the disco station. I'm still alive. Hey, hey. You know? I don't know. I just sang for you. They don't let me sing at church, so I got to take it when I can. But I just get the sense, man, there's something about this new song. There's a new song for this 144,000. It was theirs. What if God wants to give you a new song today? I think he does. Let's start walking in that. Now, we learn a number of things about this 144,000. They're a unique group of people, but really we can learn a lot from them. Notice what it says about them. This is verse four. These are the ones who are not defiled with women, for they were virgins. These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. They were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Now, before I, I unpack this for you, I'm reminded that this 144,000, they are functioning at a time where demonic activity is at an all-time high. The Antichrist is up and working. The false prophet is working. And their faith is blossoming in the midst of very challenging times. And it reminded me of Jude, verse 24 and 25, because there's only one chapter in Jude. So Jude 24 and 25, where it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. See, because I believe that we can learn a lot from this 144,000 because God is able to keep these folks from stumbling and to transform them so that they're presented faultless before God's own glory with exceeding joy. And I believe God's able to do the same thing in you and I as we follow Jesus walking through this world. So let's look at what these folks are like. Notice first it says, they were not defiled with women for they are virgins. Now, this really speaks of faithfulness to God. Now, here's what I want to tell you. We live in a culture that is obsessed with sexuality and sexual identity. It's been going on forever. Here's what I want to tell you. Marriage and singleness, neither one of them are a curse. Can I say that? Because we live in a day and age where oftentimes people are like, man, I'm single, but I want to be married or in a relationship, right? And so then it's in like any old bozo will do because you want that, right? And I'm here to tell you, it's, you are complete in Jesus without that, in the same way, for those of you who are single who want to be married, I can introduce you to like 500 married people who wish they were single again, right? Because it's like marriage is not easy. And here's what I want to tell you. Whether you're married or whether you're single, both of them is God's chosen dynamic to disciple you in Christ. And the key is to be able to occupy whichever place you're in and be comfortable there because God wants to teach you what he wants to teach you while you're either single or married. And what happens oftentimes is we think, man, I'm really going to be happy if I'm on the other side of that. So some people who are single are like, I'm really be happy when God sends me that godly person. It's going to be wonderful. And that can be interesting. Also the godly people who are like, they got married. Like, man, I wish I didn't do that. Because what happens is, is we always want what we don't have as opposed to saying, God, what are you doing in my life right now? So what we realize is about this 144,000, they are single by choice and by calling. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like throughout the history of Christianity, there have been people who have been single by calling. I think of John Stott, great Anglican, Christian theologian. He, like, he was open for marriage, it never happened. Many of you know Nancy DeMoss, who is a great Christian writer. She was single for like up until her 50s, and then she got married. 
And it was funny. Everyone got used to her being a single writer. And then when she got married, people got mad at her. But it's amazing. It's like, what I'm trying to say is that, listen, we have a tendency to think that it's about our marital status or our relationship status. But I'm here to tell you, if you're single, then your job as a single person is to grow in Christ. And if you're a married person, your job is to grow in Christ as a married person. And so it does, like, the relationship status doesn't change the very thing that God is trying to teach us, which he wants us to become more like him. Does that make sense? So I don't want anyone ever to think, if you're single, to think that that's a curse. And if you're married, I don't want you to think that's a curse either. The key is, Lord, while I'm here, grow me up in my faith. I remember when I got saved, it was seven years until I met my bride, Lynn. So I was single as a Christian man for seven years. And I remember being like, Lord, I want to get married. And the Lord was like, Daniel, I do not want to impose you on one of my daughters like this. And there's nothing better when the Almighty talks to you that way. Like, listen, there's a lot of work to do here, buddy. Like, I love my girls, and I'm not going to turn you loose on her like this. And and so I realized it's like in my single years, I desired to be married, right? And there's nothing wrong with the desire. But the thing is, is while I'm single, God's like, okay, Lord, what do you want to teach me? And it was like, I was in the woodshed for a long time. And Lynn probably would be like, you probably should have kept him in there a little longer. You know what I mean? And so the key is, is that our job is to occupy wherever God calls us as we are until God changes it. And don't try and rush through to some outcome. I always like to remind you all that we love the outcome, but God loves what? The process. And so that process, we need to honor that because God was, and these folks, like they're single and they're single. Obviously, someone probably desired to be married, but in this calling at this time, that's what God is doing. Not only that, it says they follow the lamb wherever he goes. That's a great definition for discipleship. The the discipleship is you're following Jesus wherever he goes. Now, I'm just going to say this. I know I don't need to say this, but never for one second do I want any of you to ever think that you are a disciple of mine or Crossroads. At best, a local church makes you a disciple of Jesus. Period, right? It's like church at its best points you to Jesus. We learn from Jesus together. At best, my job is to point you to be a disciple of Jesus. And that involves you following Jesus wherever he's going. And it also means you don't follow him where he's not going. Does that make sense? Because we're all followers, but for a child of God, we're disciples of Jesus, right? And so we're following him wherever he goes. And and it also says about these folks here who they've been redeemed from among men being the first fruits to God and to the Lamb. That word redeemed literally speaks of who you are owned by. Like who possesses you and not in like some sort of spiritual like I'm demon possessed. The idea is who owns you. And I'm here to tell you, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, your Bible says that you are not your own. You are bought at a price. You are owned by God. You are the beloved of God. You are part of God's family. He thinks about you. He has bought you back from slavery to sin. That's what he has done. So us making our own unilateral decisions as if we're the boss, listen, you are not the boss. Jesus as Savior is the Lord. We follow him. He has bought us back. We don't think I can do what I want. It's my life. Not if you're a believer in Jesus. If you're believing in Jesus, your life isn't your own. I can't make unilateral decisions based on my comfort or the mood of the moment. I've been bought. So have you. 
Not only that, it says, I could talk about this stuff all day. It's so powerful. Notice, in their mouth were found no deceit. I love this. These were folks of integrity. Like they were honest people. Like, like there was a testimony to who they were and how they lived. There was no deceit. There was never a question about their integrity. There was no deceit found in their mouths. And it says, for they were without fault before the throne of God. Remember, now God who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless. See, they were without fault because they'd been redeemed and the spirit of God was working in them. Jesus is the only faultless one. And so all of this is so powerful. So when you're God's child, he sets you apart. Now look what happens next in verse six. It says, then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. And another angel followed saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, verse 13, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. So really what we see here is we see really three angels doing what all of us should be doing. And that's, we need to proclaim the plans of God. See, there's these three angels and each one, they proclaim, this is what God is doing. This is God's purposes and plans. And you and I need to learn from this because our job also is to proclaim the plans of God. And of course, this reminds me of Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, which tells us something so simple. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now, I've said this before, but I just want to say it again. All of us have a preaching ministry, not just me, right? People all the time say, you're a preacher. So no, all, all of us are preachers. You've all been enlisted into the call of ministry by God to proclaim the plans of God. And yeah, maybe you're never going to do it from a pulpit like I do it, right? But when you go into your job, when you talk to your neighbors, when you talk to your family, when you're in school and you talk to your classmates, you are proclaiming a message. And God's desire for us is that we proclaim his plans. Does that make sense? All of us are called to the ministry of proclamation. Every time you're on social media, you are proclaiming something. 
And we want to make sure that we are proclaiming the very plans of God. These three angels, and then you get this other test, this voice from heaven. But we learn a lot about the types of things we should be proclaiming. Notice the first angel, right? It says that this angel, he's flying in the midst of heaven, and he's having the everlasting gospel to preach. I love that, everlasting. It's the forever good news of God. And he's preaching it to everyone who's on the earth, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and every people. What does he say? You want to hear the everlasting gospel? Fear God, verse 7, and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. So the beginning of the everlasting gospel, first we should fear God. Now, my friends, this is so important because the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge The entire book of Ecclesiastes, the writer to the Ecclesiastes, pretty much did like an almost scientific study of what fulfills a human soul. He tried everything, pleasure, learning. He did more of everything than all of us could have ever done. And when he landed at the end, he said, you need to fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole, this is the whole thing, the whole enchilada, the whole ball of wax. Fearing God literally means we respect and revere God for who he is. I like to tell people that we always fear authority. No matter, even if you're married to a law enforcement officer, or if you are, when you're driving, if a cop car pulls behind you, everybody hits their brake and goes 10 and 2. <laughs> everybody does, right? I'm the kind of person, how many of you, when you see like a speed trap on, on the road, I always get nervous, like, oh, that's the second guy. They already caught me speeding the first time. Am I the only one like that? See, I'm from New Jersey. It's hard to drive when you're from New Jersey because you realize I'm in the Northwest. People are nice. They drive slow. It's raining. Where I grew from, it's like, just get there as fast as you can. I remember the only place I ever felt safe driving was in Israel because there's like no laws when you drive in Israel. You can do whatever you want. And India too. India was the same way. I remember India, you just beep your horn, you turn whichever way you want to and everyone it, it survives. I'm like, these are my people. Everywhere else, you gotta drive slow, you gotta take it easy. It freaks me out. And so any, literally anytime I see a, a cop on the side of the road, I always hit my brake, 10 and 2, and I all get paranoid. One time Obadiah was in the car and cop pulled behind me. He's like, dad, what's wrong? You look so nervous. I'm like, there's a cop behind me. And he's like, Dad, you're not doing anything wrong. I'm like, but I did things wrong like 25 years ago. You know, I was like, still nervous. You know what I mean? Like still, still to this day, I get freaked out by it. I have all sorts of friends who are in law enforcement and they're all pretty nice to me. Sometimes they're like, man, I would have loved to have met you back in the day. I'm like, I bet you would have, you know, been hanging out in the back of your car, hanging out. I bring all this up because like, it's right to, you respect law, you should respect law enforcement because they have authority. And if the almost natural response to almost everyone in here, unless you're super hard-hearted because you think you're smarter or faster than the cops, and that's a whole other discussion we'd have another day, how dumb that is. Anyway, you know, it's like literally people get nervous in the face of authority. And how much more authority does the true and living God have who can not only kill the body but cast the soul into hellfire? That's how Jesus said it. Jesus is You may have seen in the Bible the phrase, fear the Lord. Pastor Daniel even talked about it today in his message. But what does that mean? It's not that you should be afraid of God. Well, that is if you're his son or daughter. If you've not given your life to Christ, then you do need to be afraid of what's to come. But followers of Christ need to respect the Lord, to do what he asks. Obeying him is what living for Jesus is all about. And how do you know what he wants? Just read the Bible. 
Everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore His people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel jumps into the next chapters of Revelation, a period in the final days known as the Bold Judgments. This won't be pleasant. In fact, it's a destructive time for those left on earth. But as with all of the book of Revelation, it's important for us to be aware of what's to come. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.